the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. And I'm back. Sure, somebody out there is disappointed. <laughs> oh, too bad. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, it's been pretty wild. Looking at uh, a lot of the stuff. The market's actually been struggling here the last few weeks, and particularly when you look outside of. Um, well, it's just kind of flat. You know, it's down a little bit from one of the high it was a week ago, but that was an all-time new high. It actually, you know, if I'm looking at the uh, mid-cap, actually, that was the value index. Let me see if I can get another one up here. Yes, this is the mid-cap index. So, it's off. Let's see. If we go to the peak mid-cap index, the reason I'm using the mid-cap is uh, I like it better. It's got a better long-term track record than large caps do, and that would kind of make sense because they're um, they're smaller. They can grow more. And I'm sure Microsoft was growing a lot faster when they were doing $40 billion in sales, which is an enormous amount of money, than they are when they're doing $40 uh, I'm sorry, yeah, $4 trillion? I don't think they're doing trillions in sales, but the, uh, the market cap is over a trillion dollars. Anyway, um, yeah, so if you look at the mid-cap index over the past few weeks, it's down about 4.2%. That's not bad. Nowhere near the, the drop that it had when you know the pandemic first hit. Everything was crashing. It was down 41%. And that, that's kind of a lot. That's actually a, a ton. And it's something that I talk about all the time. You know, if, if you are going to invest in stocks, you've got to be willing to put up with the fluctuation. And, uh, you know, when I was new in the business, and I've said this probably, I don't know, probably at least 100 times on this show. So I'm sure some of you are getting tired of it, but it doesn't matter because you keep forgetting. <laughs> and you know how I know you keep forgetting? Because you call me. <laughs> and you're going, hey! And I'm going, yeah, this is just another one of those times. And uh, it's good to have experience. <laughs> and believe me, the, the way that the economy is set up, in the long run, it, it's always going to favor stocks. It's always going to favor stocks. And uh, why? Because stocks have pricing power. You know, they can go out and uh, improve their techniques, sell more product. 
basically uh, uh, try to defend their profit margins. Now, not, not always, but you take a, a large group of stocks, like the largest 1,000, 1, actually, in the United States. That's called the Russell 1000 Index. Very similar to the S&P 500. It's just a little bit more diversified. Returns are really close as well, extremely close. And depending on what year it is, one may be the other, and uh, and you really can't predict that, but they are so close, it, it's mind-boggling. I just like the idea of having a lot more diversification than you know the, the S&P 500, which is, has 50% of the assets are, are in the top 50 stocks. You know, that that's that's not really that well diversified. You got fifty stocks there that have half your money in it. You know, so um and that's one of the reasons it does well, by the way. It's concentrated and it's a momentum strategy. Well, there's a there are momentum strategies now that I, I think do a little bit better and uh, have better long term track records. Uh in any given year, actually any given five year period, and this is what's really difficult about managing money. You can go for four or five years, do all the right things, and still be getting beat by the, the market in general, by the Dow or the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ. You can be doing everything right, but you're not winning. <laughs> and uh, the average investor goes, no, that's not winning. Winning is doing everything right all the time. Uh, no, see, that's called panacea. And if you ever reach that point, let me know. <laughs> because there have been millions of professionals, when you think about how old the money management industry is, you know, if, even if you go back to after World War II, okay, so it was kind of modern. So you go from World War II, there have been millions of professional investors, and it's incredibly difficult to outperform. And in fact, none of them have outperformed the market every year, not a single solitary one. And so if it were that easy, <laughs> They would, uh, there would be a lot more people doing it. And uh, so anyway, I feel bad. I, you know, the, uh, having been doing a, a show for a long time, um, I get a lot of, you know, dealing with the general public. You get a lot of people who will call in and try to challenge. I'm going to challenge that. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's what I've gotten to anymore. I'll listen. And then when I've had enough, I'm just going to say, okay, here's where you're wrong. And the, Go back and check this, check that, check this and that. And by the way, um, if, if I'm wrong, I'll write you a check for a million dollars. And I will never make that statement, by the way, if I didn't already know the answer ahead of time <laughs> and, and could prove it. So I like to say I know everything you can know about the stock market. And people go, oh, well, what is this? They ask a question that you can't possibly know the answer to, and then that's my answer. Uh, see, I said everything you can no. And uh, what is that? Well, it's that over time, stocks have done better than other types of investments. Uh, they fluctuate a lot. The long-term value of a company has a tendency to keep up with its growth rate in sales, assuming that the profits stay relatively stable, profit margins rather. And that's about it. That's about all you can know. <laughs> when they're going to move, good luck. Now, you can enhance that a little bit if you want to spend an awful lot of time and you can measure things like price movement and relative strength and you can use stochastics if you'd like to for an entry point on a dip if 
you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Uh, it's a waste of your time anyway because uh, if a stock is moving higher, then nobody knows exactly how long it's going to keep moving higher. Nobody knows when it's going to go down, how far. Yeah, that's why you have to have a methodology. That, that's one of the things I really like about what we do today. Uh, because our, our method is to try to take a look at all the various styles and strategies, large, medium, and small. Let's uh, put it together. And by the way, I'm, I'm working on a model right now. It's actually going to blend those things together. So we're going to blend the large, medium, small cap. I haven't put international in there yet. And I'm, I'm, not deci I'm trying to decide because about half the revenue from the large cap fund uh, comes from companies who are global. So I'm not sure that we're going to actually need the uh, international emerging markets um, because these companies, you know, today with the, uh, with the Internet, you know, you can find anybody doing anything. So if you don't believe me, go to Alibaba. <laughs> if you're a man manufacturer, just go to Alibaba. If you're thinking about getting into manufacturing uh, and you're not an established manufacturer, then uh, you, can, you can find vendors all over the world, you know, right from your computer. It's amazing. Let's see, when they say it's different this time, they are not kidding. And I think that for the vast majority of people, especially if you're in your 40s, say you're in your 40s, you need to be at least 70% invested in stocks. So your retirement money. You need at least 70% of that in stocks because the, the other alternatives are horrible. And when I say horrible, I'm talking about bonds and bond rates being right around 1%. That just, that kills me. 1%? Who, other than Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, could live off of 1%? That is, that just blows my mind. And I keep, uh, you know, I don't, I've been starting to rethink something I've been saying on this show for quite a while now. <clears throat> They're probably not going to raise interest rates anytime soon. I've been saying that for years now. The uh, um, They raised rates, I think, twice, 25 basis points. That's, you know, 25 one hundredths of a percent. And they did that twice in, uh, you know, everybody was like, hey, they raised interest rates. Yeah, they went up a half a percent. And then they went right back down again and, and hit a new low. So I don't, but I don't know. And when I listen to what the Fed's saying today, they may raise interest rates. They may, despite the fact that the government has financed a tremendous amount of the, the debt and all the spending, and that all those government bonds that they've issued to, to do that, they're going to have to, you know, when they come to maturity, they're going to have to increase the interest payments on those. And that's a lot. I, I can't imagine that that's going to crowd out a lot of items from the federal budget. You're going to have to cut back on a lot of things. And when you cut back on things like, you know, um, I don't know, Section 8, uh, the uh, Medicaid, that, that, that can slow an economy down extremely quickly. So not only are you raising interest rates, okay, the, the, other negative effect of people having to pay more money on, on the interest, uh, pe people that are uh, investors, by the way, are welcoming higher interest rates because that means they get more money. But the vast majority of, of people aren't going to end up paying more. And when they end up paying more, uh, they tend to be more careful and the economy has a tendency to cool off and slow down. When the economy cools off and slows down and, and corporate profits start to drop, 
um, the big, the, the, all the wailing and gnashing of teeth that you're hearing as you know people who have invested heavily in in the stocks, particularly those that have invested too heavily. You know, and I was just talking about a, a couple of minutes ago. If you're in your 40s, you should probably be 70% stock. Well, that's because you've got at least 25 years to work. It's 27 by the time you get to Social Security. It'll probably be 72. But the um, I think it's going to be 70 by the time I get there. You're going to raise uh And that's how you save Social Security, by the way. It's really easy. Super easy. You just bump out the max. The uh, uh, My mind is going on me. Don't get old, people. <laughs> the full retirement age. You just bump that out a couple of years and... Voila, <laughs> you got you have cut way down on the total liability of the Social Security Administration's plans. So that's pretty good. It, it, don't worry about it. Social Security is never going away. All those people that tell you that, that that's just not happening. The people that tell you they're going to come in and confiscate your 401k or your IRAs, they, they've got something to sell uh, because it, there's no way. They do not have to make you cash your 401ks in. They're not going to come in and tax them. You've already paid taxes on a, uh, excuse me. They're just not going to do that. And they will get the money, by the way, because old man time bats a thousand. You're going to die one day. And then those assets are going to have to be distributed. Yet, Can you stretch them out over a longer time period? Yeah, you can. But I think you get like 10 years now. And, um, but ultimately, that money's going to be taxed. And the longer they let it grow, the bigger it gets, the higher they're going to collect on taxes. So, you know, I know a lot of Congress, a lot of congressional acts have not been that intelligent uh, and makes me think that they could probably, uh, in the world of all possibilities, it is a possibility, but it's a possibility that I'm going to run a four-minute mile. I just wouldn't bet a lot of money on it. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't bet my retirement on it. Absolutely not. Just so you know, I I ran a 57 uh, second quarter mile in the eighth grade. So, but that was one quarter mile. (laughs) And I was toast after that. That was my event, by the way, that and pole vaulting. And uh, it's, so if I could just put four of those together, (laughs) I would be right, you know, sub four minute mile. I just, I wouldn't have bet on it back. I can tell you that I would have never been able to do that. But there's still a chance. Mathematically, the, the probabilities are extremely low, but there is a chance. So I've just been killing time here a little bit. When we come back from the commercial break, we'll talk a little bit about the economy and where we see some uh, opportunity. Listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned.
My name is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you'd like to talk to me for any reason, you hear something that you have interest in, you can go to my website. It's BullingtonCapital.com. And I will try to get back to you as quickly as possible. And uh, I'll tell you, this last uh, year or so has been really challenging. I uh, tested positive for COVID a while ago. Uh, so that's been quite a while ago. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I had it a lot longer when they that was actually about six weeks before they started talking about it because I got deathly sick, and I have never been that sick, man. I, I had my appendix rupture, and I drove myself to the hospital and had them take. I was on the operating table in 45 minutes. Uh, I left my truck running in the emergency room uh, right before the, the door because I forgot to turn it off because I was, so, I was in so much pain. I limped in to the emergency room. They looked at me real mad and said, you, know, you can't park your truck like out there. And I go, um, I think my appendix may have ruptured. <laughs> and they go, what? I was on the operating table in 45 minutes and I uh, pulled it out. So my whole reason for telling that story is that that was nothing compared to how sick I felt. <laughs> and with the uh with the virus and again it was right before they started talking about it and i didn't get tested for a year uh, i waited an, an entire year and then uh, i got sick again and i never really recovered i mean i was just had this sick feeling in my stomach it was like one of the worst things it had started to recover a little bit but anyway i went in and tested positive and that was last uh was that last december yeah that was last december and so this whole time, I, I think it took up until, oh, man, probably uh, September, October, before I started feeling like maybe 95% there. And now I'm about, yeah, that's actually about where I'm still. I'm, I still have some of the uh, uh, some of the hangovers. So anyway, I feel bad for all you people that, that got that. I, I, and some of everybody's body reacts differently to it. Some people have it, don't even know they have it. It just blows my mind. But anyway. Yeah, it's one of the things that I thought was a was going to be really good for the economy. Actually, I mean there is a silver lining to it, uh, and it's that they've had to really scramble and come up with these vaccines. They've had to come up with treatments. Uh, they forced the economy to come up with different ways of still getting your work done. That's and you know what the ultimate uh, end of that is is that there's a uh, we've improved. Efficiency's improved. And is it over? Nope. And in fact, it's never over. You know, we will always be improving. But that was kind of leading up to the areas where I see there, there's an awful lot of opportunity. It's, it's in technology, still in technology. And there are various sectors of technology. I've got one model I like a lot, and it's a semiconductor. And if you want to see that model, I can send you a copy of it, but I, I actually have to talk to you or you have to uh, inquire. Uh, it's my license for the data uh, doesn't allow me to just send it out to the general public. Okay, so uh, it's it's a really good model. I think uh, 
during the next commercial break, I'll probably pull it up and uh, go through some of the numbers with you. But I took the, uh, there are actually four funds that invest exclusively in semiconductors. And semiconductors are in everything now. I mean, they're in kids' toys. They're in their kids' plush toy animals, like their bears. Their bears talk now. And uh, it's unbelievable how uh, many different industries these things are showing up in. They're automating everything. And I I think that is, uh, it's cool. That's really cool. Uh, I've been talking about that for a really long time. Technology, I'm not, I have probably a little bit more than most people in my age group. But uh, the the industries are so wide now and they reach so far into so many different things. Uh, I I was overwhelmed back in the the (laughs) mid-90s trying to keep up with what, how fast things were developing and you know, and it just got faster and faster and faster. You know, and then it took me a few years to figure it out. I'm like, yeah, there are about 7 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. And if only 1% of them are working on innovating technology, that that's a huge number of people there. M- most of the countries in the world don't even have that many people in them. So yeah, it should be moving along at a pretty fast pace. And that's what makes me feel really good about the younger crowd. If you're the younger crowd, uh, I've been working on a portfolio for you guys. And uh, I think it's going to be very simple for you to understand. I think it's, and I won't be rolling it out until probably in the summer. But the uh, uh, this would be for the younger people crowd. You want to take more risk. And, and you can take the higher risk when you're younger. Uh, it's It's okay. It's not crazy risk. And that's, I'm a big, big uh, proponent of managing the amount of risk you're taking. Most people don't know how, how much risk they're taking. They really don't. And I, I get all these questionnaires. I see all these questions. I have to go through them all the time, part of our compliance uh, program, and have to evaluate. Uh, so I created my own questionnaire, uh, and I like it better. I like it a lot better. And actually, I've seen one now uh, that is sold to registered investment advisory firms like mine, across the uh, entire country that has begun to incorporate this same thing. I'm the, the main point that I always make, and that's how much of a decline are you willing to put up with? And it's the first one I've seen that is incorporating that actually the second one. There, there are two of them now. And uh, so I, I think that's a, a good thing. And why? Cause you know, if you're going to invest in stocks, they're going to fluctuate a lot, like a lot, not a little bit. And the, uh, uh, a, a common belief that is totally wrong is that professional investors can time those declines and those rises. And I'm telling you, there's no way. And I've seen all this stuff. I used to buy, I've wasted so much money on systems that uh, predict the market. And when I was younger in the business, I, and I, was, I was adamant. I was going to learn it. And you know what? You can do certain things, and they do help. But what most people are thinking of when they're thinking of timing the market is, well, I'm going to get out right before it goes down or, or only after it goes down a little bit, and then I'm going to get back in when it starts going back up. Good luck with that. I'm just telling you, good luck with that. It doesn't work. And you'll have to live into your 50s <laughs> and beat your head against the wall and lose a lot of money to figure that out. And that's typically what happens. And uh, I was in my 30s, so I was ahead of you guys. 
Why? Because I worked harder. I spent more money, like a lot of money. And I spent time. And uh, I learned how to code. And uh, it, was a, uh, it was a nightmare. I mean, I was working a, a full-time job as it was. I had little kids, and then I, I'd have to do this at night. And I was barely sleeping. So uh, anyway, and then I found out that's, what, that's how I know what I'm talking about. That's why I'm so confident in what I'm saying. The, uh, you show me a, a guy that, that can pick tops and bottoms in the market, and I'll point out the con artist, okay, because it's just not happening. And if it were, if you could do that, it would be so easy to make billions of dollars. I mean, and that person would literally own everything. It would just buy up Amazon it would, because they could just go and print up more money. Okay, so it just doesn't happen. And uh, so I'll get off of that. I'll, I think I beat that horse enough. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've I've never beaten a horse. I've never beaten an animal. So <laughs> any animal. The, uh, uh, I just lost my whole trade of thought there. That's hilarious. Anyway, so I, I built a couple models, and they're for younger people, people that want to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think they're uh, uh, they're very good. They're they're very. Um, very diversified, uh, but they stick to different areas. And here's the thing that uh, it makes it a little bit different than just buying a regular old index fund. Get a regular index fund, say Russell 1000 or the SP 500, and it it has a formula that it uses to buy those stocks. And yes, they've done very well. Actually, the vast majority of them are in the top 20% of their categories. Vast majority of the regular index funds are in the top 20% of their categories. So I wanted to start there and see, I, I was uncomfortable holding 50% of my assets into 50 stocks who have a tendency to get overpriced. And when they get overpriced, they end up going sideways and they don't go sideways gently. The sideways is a big drop followed by an, a, a big rise, followed by another big drop and a big rise. And you start off in March of 2000, it's March of 2012 before you've made any money on the money that you put in in 2000. I just want to avoid that, and that's the main reason that that happens. And that's why Vanguard took the S&P 500 fund out of their 401k plan. Think about that. Vanguard, the one that started all this stuff, they, they literally took that, that investment vehicle out of their 401k plan. That's got to tell you something. So, and what it tells me is the risk was too high. I, you know, I know they know what I know <laughs> easily. And, uh, they, and they, I was surprised it took them that long, but they got around to it <laughs> eventually. And you really want to, uh, get a really good level of diversification. And it's one of the things I think, I think things I think is funny is I'll, I'll see a lot of people that have funds, and I know how they picked them. They look at the past five and 10-year performance. And you know how I know that? Because I have a database that has every fund in the world in it. <laughs> That's how I know that. Okay. And it's what everybody does. They all do. They, and, and then they get really upset. See, when you do stuff like that, you're going to buy into tops. Sooner or later, that thing's going to top and it's going to drop like a rock. And the, and the drop is so intense. It's, it's okay if you expected that to happen. And so that when it does happen, you go, yeah, well, I expected this. And I'm just going to keep adding to my investments. That's fine. Okay. If you're going to keep adding to your investments, 
You know how rare that is? It's unbelievably rare. And uh, I think probably one out of 100 people who invest have that character or have that attribute where I'm just going to keep buying when the prices are down. And then you're going to get to a point in your lifetime when you have to start selling uh, to supplement your income. And uh, hopefully you've put enough aside to be able to do that. And uh, I think I did. I talk about that earlier in today's show. If if I this is a real life situation. I had a guy um, can't use any names, but had come into a lot of money, and he just decided. Well, you know what? After a couple of years, he got tired of uh, spending down the assets, and he said he calls me and says, "Bill, uh, what do I need to do to get ten thousand dollars a month?" And I said, "Well." Um, $10,000 a month, it's 120000 a year. Yep. All right. Well, you're probably going to need about a million and a half. And let's see here. Yep. It was basically a million and a half. So at a million and a half dollars, actually, it was just slightly less than a million and a half. If you want the exact number, it was 1481891 And that gave him, uh, it's given him $10,000 a month now at age 80. Okay, so that's one of the things I wanted to, to, to mention. This is much better deal than you could get in a lot of places. And a million and a half bucks at 1% is $15,000 a year, not 120000 You see the difference there? There's a little bit of a difference there. The, uh, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't take that tone. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, ten thousand dollars a month. You need a seventy-nine-year-old uh, needed million one point four uh, eight one million four hundred eighty-one thousand eight hundred ninety-one bucks. Okay. And if you want to see uh, what you might be eligible for, feel free to to hit me up on an email. It's uh, Bill at BullingtonCapital.com, or just go to my website. And when you go to the website, and there's a contact us page, make sure you reference what you're asking for, so I send you the right stuff. When I hear the music, that means i got to take a quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. We'll be back after these messages. I was walking the wayside, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the song, isn't it? Danny Goki. He was one of the finalists, I think, on um, one of the talent shows at some point in time. What? American Idol? Oh, yeah, American Idol. So, uh, yeah, nice nice music. 
Uh, what was I getting back to? Oh, last segment of today's show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about individual stocks here. Um, I did put out a, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm working on a booklet for this. And, and you know, I, I don't, my, one of the things I, I think, I don't know, blessing or not, but I look at trying to do things the most effective way, like retirement planning. You know what? Here, here's retirement planning in a nutshell. Whatever sources of income you have in retirement, Social Security, uh, if you have a pension, maybe you've got some rental property. So you take that, you put that down in the income column, and then you take your savings, and whatever your savings is, you want to take about 4.5% or so of that, of that savings. Why so low? You say, Bill, you've got this portfolio that, past 20-year average is 14% a year. Why are, you, why are you saying 4%? Well, because you're going to have to raise that 4% over time to keep up with inflation. And if you start off too high and then the market goes down 50%, you may spend so much of your remaining principal that it never makes it back. And we call that the sequence of returns risk. Yeah, Markets averaged a, a pretty high number depending on which, which times you're looking at it. But it's, it's done that with some huge drops, and then it recovered and went on to new highs. So you got to be careful. That's something you really need to think about. How much should I have in stocks? You know, that, that's kind of a big deal. But anyway, we've got this tool, and if you'd like to uh, see it, if you'd like me to run the numbers for you, I have no problem doing that. Um, you'll tell me what kind of investor you are. I'll put your age in there, how much in assets and income you have, and it'll show you what uh, it'll show you a range of expected incomes that you could uh, basically. I think there's a ninety-five percent probability that those would be met as long as you stayed within those ranges that you could that would last for the rest of your life. So, based on your age based on your income and what kind of income you have and, and your savings. And if you'd like to see something like that, I, I think it's a great idea. And if you decide not to, that that's fine too. Just sit down, get a piece of paper out, figure out how much you have in savings, how much you're investing in those savings each year, and what a, you can get online, and, and there's a calculator on my website actually, that will you can punch the numbers in and it'll tell you how much money that should be by the time you reach retirement age. And then you just multiply that by 4 or 5%. Just take your pick. You know, most people are going to go right to 5 when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> but that will give you the income. And if you think you could live off that at that point in time, then you're good. If you don't think you could live off that, then you got some planning to do. you got some uh, saving to do, some investing to do. And that's that's exactly how complicated that needs to be and I, I feel bad for people you know we live in an era where uh, people are just trying to get your attention the media they're not really trying to help you they're trying to get your attention and they talk about a whole lot of stuff it just doesn't matter it's not going to matter in the long run what kind of car you want to drive in retirement if you can't afford to eat you know what i'm saying you got to get the basics down first. <laughs> and I know a lot of people can do that. You know, it's, it's no problem. But I, 
some clients that make over half a million dollars a year, okay. and they're going to have to cut their lifestyle in half when they get to retirement age. And we've had the conversation. Those are hard, by the way. It's hard to show somebody, hey, based on the current path, on the path that you're on right now, by the time you reach retirement age, you're going to have to cut way back on your spending. And uh, that goes over like a lead balloon, I can tell you. But I have an obligation. You see, I'm a fiduciary. I have to tell you. Yeah. And even if I didn't have to, I would anyway. I would tell you because I, I want you to know what you're up against. That's the kind of advisor I like. One that just tells me like it is. Lay out the facts. Don't hide anything. Don't sugarcoat it. Let me decide. I mean, uh, and that's so. Anyway, that's how I run my practice. You call. You've got a, a question. You you, you want to go through, it, and it's amazing how many people want to go through a huge. Uh, I I got to do my budget. Okay, here's a budget. Here, here's a worksheet. I've got one. I'll get it to you. Fill it out. You know. Well, well you, can't you do that? No, I I really can't. I just don't have time. And uh, to walk through somebody's each and every one of their bills. Uh, yeah, I've done that before. And I'm telling you, you're better off just to get the worksheet, fill it out. If you don't know what the answer is, look it up. Okay. Because we have to, uh, we provide a huge amount of service at our firm. Ask any of the clients. You call in, I call you back. If I don't pick up the phone. And uh, it's a big deal. We do a lot of uh, well, we were doing a lot of workshops. We're gonna the, the ones that we're gonna do in the future, when everything opens up again, whenever that is, uh, are gonna be just to keep everything as simple as humanly possible. Now, we don't want to leave out anything that's really important. You know, that's when you're coming up on retirement age. Some of the most important things are how much of your income are you gonna be able to replace? Um, maybe it depends on the uh, different types of. Um, well, actually, a large part of it depends on the amount of risk you want to take. So, and a large part of it depends on your ability to either, uh, you may not have to cut back. Some people don't have to cut back. I've got some people who could actually afford to spend more than they were spending when they were working because they were really diligent. So everybody's all over the map. My point is that it doesn't have to be complicated. It really doesn't have to be that complicated. So if you make $100,000 a year and you're saving money for retirement, you could easily get by on 80% of what you're making. Easily. You could take a 20% cut. You could take a 25% cut. You know why? You're not going to be putting money into your 401k uh, when you're retired. So you can skip that. And you're not going to have to pay the Social Security tax, FICA. So those are gone. Just between those two right there, you're at a like a, it's like, 25% of your income. So 75%, you don't miss a beat. You got that? So take 75% of whatever you're making right now, okay, whatever that is. Let's uh, and multiply that by 25. Why is it 25? Because you're going to spend 4%. So, I mean, I'm just going to do this math really quickly. So 100000 bucks, 75% of that, $75,000. And I'm just actually, I'm just going to divide by 0.044%. So I need, if, if I don't have Social Security, if I don't, if I don't want to count on Social Security, I'm going to need 1.875 million, a million eight hundred seventy-five thousand to replace, just to give me $75,000 a year at a 4% withdrawal rate. Okay. 
if you wanted to take 5%, it would be a little less than that. The, uh, um, and that, that's okay. You just have to realize you'll have to take a little bit more risk to be able to do that. You should be able to do that in most cases. But, you know, all other things being equal, we have to tell you, you know, the 4% rule has been there for a long time, and, and it's, it's kind of one we have a tendency to go by. And I used to go by, oh, man, 20 years ago, you could get a 6% CD. Uh, you could get high-yield bonds that were paying 11%, real estate investment trusts paying 10 and a half. Those are gone. I mean, the rates on them are, are less than half of that right now. So it, things have changed quite a bit, and you got to keep up with the changes. Um, so anyway, I'm, somewhere between 4 and 5% is typically a pretty good number. There is a software package. If you want to know what that number is for you, we can set up a, fo- a phone meeting. It literally... It you know it takes about 15 minutes for me, and that's about all there is to it. I know people have a ton of questions. You read the these financial publications; they are there to try to pique your interest. So a lot of the stuff that they're saying, uh, they accentuate you know just to get your attention. I'm being kind in my language. <laughs> they accentuate <laughs> to get your attention, and a lot of the things that they're bringing your attention to are really not that big a deal. I mean, in retirement, really, you've got health care costs. Do they always go up? I don't know. See, I pay for my own health insurance. I, Medicare is going to be a big break for me. I'm going to be paying less than half of what I pay now. And I'm going to have more things covered than I have under my existing. And I'm not going to have to argue with the doctor's office and the hospital, which, by the way, I just had back surgery, by the way. I can't wait to start dealing with those bills. <laughs> I'm going to be yelling at somebody. Yeah, no, I'm not going to yell. The, uh, but, it's you know, it's just a pain. And uh, I can't wait to get on Medicare. As, and you go in, and by the way, they're, you know, they, they mess around with that a lot too. Uh, but at least I won't have to pay as much money as I'm paying now. And I can go to doctors who accept Medicare and those that don't, I just won't. You know, I'll go to a doctor that accepts Medicare payments. And so between the copays and deductibles, which I'll have a policy for that will pay that anyway, uh, I won't have to send them any extra money, assuming it stays similar to the way it is right now, because they are they attack that like crazy. Um, so, but that's another that's another whole show. In, in fact, at some point in time, I'm going to get somebody on who's a uh, a specialist in the Medicare supplements because uh, it's a big deal. The Health costs, rising health costs, are a big part of retirement. We don't really know exactly what that is. Uh, well, I know it's probably going to go up each year a little bit. The, uh, but you know, if you have health care, you know that's part of the that's one of the bigger expenses, and nobody really knows. And I hear these guys adding up all the deductibles and copays you're going to pay over the next twenty years and say you're going to have to pay three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, no kidding. I'm. You know what? My grocery bills are probably going to be 30 years from now. <laughs> a lot higher than they are today. <laughs> so, and that, that's one of the other reasons, you know, you got to do well in your investments. They got to keep up with inflation plus the amount that you're taking out. That's why we're using that like four to 5% rate. Okay. We're not using 10%. I, I, and the reason I, I'm spending so much time on this, I get people asking me this question all the time. Somebody shows them an illustration of a mutual fund that's done 14% a year over the past 10 years and say, see, look at that. That was good. Well, first of all, 
that fund probably made all the money in the last 18 months, and it was probably a dog for a, a big portion of the time, or we're actually measuring from where the market had corrected and was at a low. So that has to factor in. And if you look at the super long term returns, 7 or 8% is pretty good. Actually, it's, if you look at 40-year returns, anything somewhere between 10 and 12, depending on where you're investing. But that's a, you know, that's got a lot of volatility, a lot of fluctuation in it. You, you will not be able to stomach that much. If you were planning on taking out 10%, let's say you start with a million dollars in March of 2000. And so you're taking out 10%, you're taking out 100,000 a year. So for the next three years, the market continued to drop and was down 50% over that time period. In fact, I'm going to run that illustration for next week's show. I'm going to run the exact illustration to show you what it is because right now I'm just estimating and I want to be, uh, I want to be spot on to take that on. So next week's show, we're going to show what somebody who had a million dollars invested in stock funds. I'm just going to say the S and P 500 and they were taking out 10% a year because somebody had told them that the market averages 10% a year and see how quickly that runs out of money. I don't even know, quite frankly, been a long time since I ran that illustration, but that's a really good one to pay attention to. And I, I know the people that were hanging around listening for individual stock ideas are dying right now. <laughs> so I am going to take a couple minutes and talk about individual stocks. Uh, the uh, stocks are still strong, by the way. When I run a scan and I'm pre-recording this show and it's fairly early in the day. And when I'm running a scan and there are 51 stocks showing up on this scan, that's pretty strong. Actually, that's very strong. I'm amazed. So it's, uh, are they still going to be here by the end of the day? Oh, this is funny. R.R. Donnelly, we had talked about this one. It had gapped way up and uh, had to purchase that. Well, yeah, I won't go into that. That's no big deal. Anyway, it, it came back up on the scan again. And this stock has just been ratcheting higher. I would, I would guess, and this is a guess. And by the way, this kind of uh, this long-term trading or intermediate term trading, I guess. The uh, you better know what you're doing. It, it's very dangerous to do this and not know what you're doing. Don't ever put more than five percent a year trading account into one stock. And I would use an initial stop, uh, an initial stop loss of ten percent, uh, and I would use a trailing stop loss somewhere between fifteen and twenty. It's your choice, or the low of the last thirty days. Either one. But having said that, you know, R.R. Donnelly's come back up again, that book company. That is hilarious. It's, I, I think somebody must be speculating that they're going to get bought out because the stock keeps jumping. Like it jumped in October. It jumped. It, there was a gap. And then it goes sideways. And it jumps again in November. And it goes sideways for a month. And then it jumped again near the end of November. And uh, it's actually coming up on the scans again. That's pretty interesting. R.R.D., uh, the price of sales ratio on it is super low. So that's what I'm guessing. They're probably speculating that the company's going to get bought out, or somebody already knows it's going to get bought out and is is trying to load up on shares. Um, they're going to get caught if they're doing that. By the way, <laughs> if I can see that, so can the SEC. <laughs> so I hope that's not the case. I hate when you know people do dumb stuff and then get caught for it and have to go spend time in jail. That is the uh, that's what they do to those people. But a bunch of uh, Boise Cascade came up. That that looks pretty interesting. Lumber and wood. Yeah, 
super low price to sales ratio, I wouldn't be interested in it normally uh, because it's not a high growth industry. Um, but anyway, so I'm going down through the list here. Let's see. This one's come up. Century Aluminum. It's come up multiple times. CN, CENX. What's interesting to me is that a lot of the companies that are coming up are the old economy school, are old economy stocks. Uh, a lot of manufacturers get steel. Uh, here's a residential KB Homes. That one actually had a huge gap up today. Anyway, I hear the music. That means my show is over. I appreciate everybody listening. I really do. And if you want to take advantage of that, that free uh, where am I, how am I doing uh, that I was talking about, I'll even send you the uh, email report. Just hit me up on my website, bullingtoncapital.com. And uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.